So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm Richard O'Shields, again, or still, or, well, I'm Richard O'Shields, and, and right over that away just a bit, Nikki Leach. How are you, Nikki? I'm good. I had a very productive day today. Yes, you did. I had I a good day today, day, too. Um, folks that follow our morning show may know that... Um, of course, you'll hear this a week from now, but today is really the first day that we did an hour-long morning show by plan. It was a decision we made yesterday, but today is the first time we actually slept that extra hour and did the show. And we were just all perky and happy and, yeah. you know, like real human beings because for some reason getting up at 4.30 or 5 is not a big deal for me. I wake up about 5 anyway. But when we were getting up, when I was getting up at three thirty to prep for the show, woo-wee, oh-wee. So it little... makes such a difference. I got um, for for our regular listeners uh, who may or may not know about our YouTube channel, which you can access via YouTube, or you can find it via our website, EverydayConnection.me. By the time you guys are hearing this, there will be two new videos up, at least two new videos videos up. Uh, the second installation of Fibro Fridays will be up, and the first of the Archangel Alchemist series by Alexander Wenman. So she's one of our correspondents for the morning show, and I just finished her first video today, and it'll be up as well on our YouTube channel. So keep your eyes peeled. We're going to start pouring out the correspondent bits and videos for you so that you can have those meditations handy, and you can access them whenever you like. Right, and uh, all those separate pieces, and if you've got friends that you've been trying to get interested in the show, and uh, it was during our first uh, month and a half, and it was a two-hour show, and they're like, oh, I don't have two hours to see whether I like this or not, you're going to have bits. And uh, Absolutely. Uh, the Fiber of Fridays are great, because you've got them just all packed with information, so it's cool that people will have those to refer back to. Well, because we need to change our, we need to change our attitude towards this, this disease we need to start embracing this concept that changed my life which is disease is nothing more than the body's natural defense system against us toxifying it and once we start being grateful to our bodies for working properly because they should and they're awesome and they do then we can start feeding them the things that they need so that they can heal and giving them the rest that they need and and giving them the spiritual foundation 
that they need, you know, the emotional support that they need so that they can heal. And um, so, yeah, it's important for those videos to be out there and available for the public for free because if it even saves one life, changes one life, saves one family from the trauma and, and the devastation of some of these diseases, then you know, it's so worth it. Absolutely, because it, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a life sentence of pain or some silliness no, like no, that. No, no. No. And, and, and like she said, pain's a... Often, most often, just a messenger of, you know, hey, there's a thorn in my foot down here. Would you t- pull it out? You got control of the fingers pull just it out. out. And, and, and then once you do, the pain begins to subside almost immediately. And the same thing is true if it's sensitivity to chemicals or missing nutrients or, or perhaps even some combination of the above. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you guys uh, can keep your eyes peeled for that. That's, yeah, again, WWEveryday connection.me because it's all about me no matter who's reading or listening or which one of us is is reading that absolutely and we have a new me to play with tonight we do and you folks will know that we uh often uh when we do our daily good news on the morning show that uh the huffington post is often a uh, contributor to that and uh, oh absolutely it's our go-to and our guest our guest tonight is actually a contributor to Huffington Post. So we took That's the Huffington awesome. Post out of the middle. And, and uh, uh, we have with us, uh, goodness gracious, author and uh, uh, psychologist and uh, retreat. Retreat leader. Retreat leader, retreat uh, hermitage owner, runner, fellow, Dr. Bruce Davis. Welcome, Bruce. How are you? I'm great. It's good to meet you both. I'm just fantastic that you were able to carve some time out and spend with us this evening. No, no problem, and I'm looking forward to it. So are we. So let's get right to it, because I have only one question for you tonight. And, well, there will probably be more, but we'll get there eventually. But the big question, the one that everybody wants an answer to, is who on earth are you, and what do you do? <laughs> I've had a beautiful life. You know, I went through college in the 60s when everything was changing. In the early 1970s, I was training to be a therapist, a psychologist. And uh, two big things happened that changed my life. First one is I was looking at all the different therapies, you know, Gestalt therapy, primal therapy, analysis, and they were all so serious. And there was this thing about people were rediscovering their childhood and their birth, and they were crying and screaming. And I thought, well, what about the happy childhood? What about the magical child? And I looked at all these adult therapists, and they were so serious and boring. And between you and me, they were as crazy as the patients, just different. You know, they were so serious and uptight. So in 19... In 1975, I wrote a book called The Magical Child Within You, and it was the first book on the inner child. And that book gave me permission to be my inner child, to have fun, and to not be so serious. And uh, and now, 30 years later, I'm still, or 35 years later, whatever it is, I'm still doing that. And at the same time, I was in a seminar in graduate school. And there was this woman who was a shaman, and I didn't even know what a shaman was in those days. And uh, she had the gift to come into people's dreams, which I didn't understand at all. 
Anyway, one night in the seminar, she came into my dream, and she sat next to me in my bed. And it was one of those really clear, lucid dreams, and you think you're awake. And the next morning, I ran to her, and before I could say anything, she said, do you remember me coming to you last night? Uh, and I said, yes. He said, well, I've been expecting you. And so for four years, I had a relationship with this woman. She would come into my dreams and teach me, and I would write her letters back. And we met a few times physically. But um, she said I was the most stubborn student she ever had because I refused to believe all this, even though it kept going on for four years. In fact, one time I was in Germany, and she came into my dream, and I said, this is not real. This is only a dream. She said, oh, yeah, and she pushed me, and I woke up on the floor. And so after four years of this, uh, my life really began to change. First, I was believing in the magical inner child. And second, I realized that, you know, life as we know it is a dream, and the nighttime dreams are just another part of this dream. You know, all my boundaries as a just a normal kid from Denver, Colorado, normal college, normal graduate school. I did not come from a religious or spiritual family. In my childhood, people who are religious or spiritual were seen as uneducated or superstitious. So I was just intellectually based. Here I am, show me. But after pushing me out of bed and coming into my dreams for four years, my life totally changed. And it's been a magical story ever since. That's hilarious. You you need to get if she's still around. We need to get her together with my uh, my I call him my sensei because it makes sense to me. Because if I call him guru, that's just not right. <laughs> but um, he's he's a shaman, and part of my healing journey was discovering that every once in a while I would get all wonky and weird in my state of pain, suffering from my fibromyalgia, and he would whisper things to me. I'd be like wide awake, middle of the day, watching a movie, and his voice would come into my head, and then the next time I would see him, he goes, did you get my message? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so it took me a long time to begin to receive her non-physically, and to, not only in dreams, but during the day, and to receive her and accept her. She's no longer alive, but what was interesting, she refused for us to put her on a pedestal. She says, everything I do, you can also, everything I do, you can also do. Now, 35, 40 later, years later, I don't do these things, but I understand what she was saying. Uh, but it's been, a, it's been a beautiful path. It just sounds like it, it was a beautiful experience, and that's exactly the way Lucian is. If that's why I don't use the term guru um, around him, because because unfortunately, the modern use of the word guru has it's been misconstrued, and people use it to put people on a pedestal. And I, you know, he he would be so disappointed if I did that with him, because that's that's his teaching is that there's not anything I can do that you can't. And that's the greatest yeah. teacher in the world to me. Yeah, yeah. If somebody and says also, you can. And also for me, this woman was very special. She was very human. She shared, she shared her humanness. And ever since then, that's been a path for me. That we open up to these big inner resources by um, exploring and realizing how vulnerable and naked and human we are. 
And um, after spending four years with her, I lived with healers in the Philippines for some time. And there was another book about that that was a big seller called The Heart of Healing, where um, being with very simple people, they had just very big abilities to heal. And that was a big lesson. It was also good to get out of Western culture for a while and feel that there's a whole other world out there besides our intellectually based reality. See, then, Bruce, we were we were destined to meet, my dear, because my first book was actually written because of my experience in the Philippines. Oh, really? What part? I oddly enough, I had intense spiritual synchronistic experiences in downtown Manila. <laughs> but then you were out in the provinces. You traveled and went and talked to the old guys in the provinces, too. Yeah, I, I was in I both. Did. I was in both. I did travel to the provinces later. I didn't. Um, I didn't talk to any of the local elders in 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 the indigenous cultural settings. Um, but it it was a life changing, like life changing experience totally. for me. Totally. I didn't. My life's never been the same. Exactly. I went. I, I was, came back, and I've been a completely different person ever since. I was only there a few months. And now I'm still talking about 35, 40 years later as if it was yesterday and a huge part of my life. See, I'm not crazy. People think I'm nuts yeah. because it was only well, five years ago and I'm talking about it like it was, like you said, yesterday. And those people are never going to leave my heart. They touched totally. me in ways that I can't even describe. Five years ago, I'm talking about 1976, 1977. I know. See, and they're still changing lives. <laughs> How yeah. cool is that? I'm still at it. <laughs> I think for me the big part was their simplicity, their huge generosity yeah. of heart, and to really listen deeply inside. You know, the, when you don't have much of an outward world, you know, they're very poor, very simple. They just had a huge inner life. And uh, there was a big God inside, and so they expected a big God outside. And in our culture, God is outside, and a little God inside, but we got it turned around. And um, the Filipino people, I still meet them once in a while. They're very special people in general. They are. They are. I, for me, it was their, their, their attitude of gratitude um, was eye-opening because they do live in what we would equate to be extreme poverty. Yet their appreciation and their ability to exude joy in everything that they do just it completely redefined for me what life could be. They are the people who taught me that I wasn't really living without ever saying a word just in their being, I looked at them and realized the life that I was living, that wasn't living. And I wanted to know how, why. And so I started asking and they taught me just through conversation how they viewed the world and I brought it back to Canada and I've been doing this ever since. Yeah, beautiful. I'll never forget, you know, I've been in so many airports in my life, but I'll never forget the first airport when leaving the Philippines. I'm sitting in the airport and everybody's running around on the normal airport energy. And I had this question, like, where is everybody going? I mean, what's the hurry? And after living in the provinces for so many months, 
uh, we came back to California and we started being on retreat. For us in America, we call it retreat. In the Philippines, they would call it normal life. But, you know, just, <laughs> just slowing down, you know? And I've been on retreat now for the last, well, I don't know, since 1977. And I've never had a job. I've always just been on retreat and offer retreats where people invite us. And uh, I've just been on retreat, but it's really just being in a slower pace of life. And uh, asking, where is everybody going? What are you doing? What's the hurry? And I've been very, I've been very blessed because we met. Um, you know, it's hard to be on retreat in America. There's so much distraction, and people are so much in a hurry, and they're so busy mentally. We're such a mental culture, and we think it's normal. So for the last all these years, I've been challenged to be on retreat in Western world. And then the, the long story, but I was leading retreats for some years, and then some people from Europe found us, and they invited us to come to Europe. And I'll never forget, you know, my teacher, the shaman, taught me in dreams, right? So my first night in Europe, I had this dream, was this big valley, and there was this man at the bottom of the valley with a bird on his shoulder, and um, he had a special sense of peace about him. And I'll never forget that piece. And I woke up that morning and uh, I told my friends about the dream. And I said, oh, yeah, that's St. Francis. There's a special place in Italy with, with exactly that feeling. And I had been searching in Western culture. There must be some place like the Philippines. There must be something in my own culture that can mirror that special piece that just living without a hurry, you know, just breathing, being feeling what's, what's happening in the now. And so, long story short, within a year or so, we found ourselves in the Philippines with 88 people from 11 different countries because we were traveling in those days. And uh, I mean, not in the Philippines. We found ourselves in Assisi, Italy, the home of St. Francis, with all these people from all these countries because we've been traveling around. I said, listen, anybody want to come with me? There's this incredible place in Italy. I, I've never been there, but they tell me about it. And you're welcome to join me. It's supposed to be just like the Philippines or just like heaven on earth. But she's anyway, it's supposed to be incredible. St. Francis is from there. you got to come. So we showed up there, and my whole life changed. It's been changed ever since. And it was very healing to find a place in my own culture that had those feelings of the Philippines. People breathing, living with an open heart. Buongiorno, come stai. Now, part of it's just Italy, but the other part of it is Assisi in the spirit of St. Francis. And uh, ever since then, my retreat's been much stronger. Because it's hard for most people in our culture. We don't have any, there's very few teachers in the West. There's very few teachers that come in from our culture that can help us. And we don't know better. We don't know different. We're so intellectual, and our, our minds are so big, and our hearts are so small. And in the Philippines, it was exactly the opposite. Their hearts were the size of a mountain, and their minds were very sweet and simple and present. And they weren't so abstract or intellectual or difficult. You know, us, we can be so complicated. And the Philippine people are not complicated. Beautiful you had that experience in the Philippines. Very special. I'm glad it's, to meet you. 
It it is very special, and I'm, I'm glad to connect with you with that through that experience because it's very difficult. And I trust me, Richard will attest to this. I have been trying for years for to years. explain it to people. In several and, books, and all I to can try do to explain it in to several people. books, yeah, the radio show, everything that we do um, is is really thanks to a tiny little group of children in a children's home in Manila. None of this, none of it would have happened without those kids. And so I've been trying to, I've been trying to explain that to people since I got back. And I, I tried to integrate back into normal society, failed miserably and made myself very, very sick. Oh, like horribly ill trying to live in Toronto. And, um, through a series of synchronistic events, found myself with my dream job, doing this for a living, which is awesome, and living in a mountain home that's a chalet. I have an art studio. I have a, a perfect, peaceful family. Um, you know, we just the drama doesn't exist in our world for the most part. And so I've managed to create here in this space with the help of my family and friends that sense of ease that I discovered in Manila. Congratulations. You're beautiful. And I, to meet you. I have tremendous admiration for you and what you're saying about, you know, been trying, it's difficult to be on retreat here uh, in, the, in the height of the Western world, so to speak, the United States, certainly the material part of it, I suppose you could say, uh, because I recently had, had mine... Uh, I did a lot of traveling when I was young, which changed my outlook on how the world was because it wasn't the way they told me it was when I got there. And um, so I was like, well, what else did they tell me that wasn't right? And that, you know, then you're down the path and in the rabbit hole. But um was recently living in Costa Rica. And uh, after a three-month stint, I came back up to visit a doctor and, do some paperwork and things and get my visa redone because you've got to leave every 90 days. I got back up to Houston where I'd been living, and I, I felt like the guy in the cartoon that the, you're in the standing on the middle of the road and the cars are going, meow, meow, zoom, 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 because it was just, even my friends were just, I was like, would you be still? Could you slow down? I don't, what are you saying? I, it, it just didn't even compute. I was just like, well, I've got to go back to Costa Rica. This is bad. <laughs> let me out and um, I've landed now in Phoenix which is uh, I don't feel the hurry here quite like you know for about 30 minutes in the morning and in the evening that's about it then people slow back down they drive less than the speed limit um, most of the time uh, it, it, it it's it's very nice but it I met a fellow who's a car mechanic down there in in Costa Rica and because I was asking all kinds of people, you know, I was down there in part because it was great assistance for my physical healing, and and I was asking everybody, you know, is it the fresh fruit, the air, the water, the what, you know, and he said, no, it's <clears throat> I've been up to the states for ten years to work to make money to build my wife a house and and uh, family a house, and and uh, it's it's the balance. <clears throat> I I was up there in the United States and I worked, and that's you work and you sleep, and here we work and we 
see our children and we see our wife and we go to the beach and we work and we and and he said that's what it is and and I think he's absolutely right. <clears throat> I mean the fresh yeah. fruit doesn't hurt, but you know, for the I don't care less. I mean I did my best in America, but most of the last thirty five years has been in Europe. In the last twelve years, we lived in Italy full time in Assisi. And just the Italian way of life. You know, Damani, of course say Damani. I mean, tomorrow, I mean, there's no hurry, you know. We're right. having a coffee. And in the afternoon, we take two or three hours off. And, and they don't really care that much about the government because the government's been there for a couple thousand years. It doesn't change that much. But it's family, it's family and um, spirituality and nature. And most of all, it's the heart. Importante abbiamo un accordo. It's important that we have our heart. And everything. And we don't even know, I mean, coming back to America, I mean, we were gone through all 9-11 and all that stuff. America is more uptight and nervous and on alert than before we left. And it's really too bad, you know, there's this, there's just this energy, this fearful energy, um, and this hurriness that's worse than ever. And, um. Well, I, I, I would argue, Bruce, that it is changing. Slowly, granted, big ships do take time to, to change their course. And, you know, this planet that we're on is a pretty big boat. But doing the work that I do and getting the opportunity to be exposed to and to talk to some of the greatest, I'm not going to say thinkers, I'm going to say feelers of our time because yeah. they really do. They feel into everything that they do. I am really encouraged and, and enthusiastic about the path that we have stepped on collectively, planet wide. I really am. I mean, right from the head of the Catholic Church doing astounding things in the last year to governments just kind of blowing our minds wide open with some of their new policies and, and you know, just it, it's mind blowing. And then on a personal level, you see that, that people have really shifted their focus from, from making the money to finding the happy, finding the joy, finding the peace, and not only finding it in their own lives, but bringing it to others as well. Well, I think you're right. And we come from California and California is like another world out here. I mean, we're in the San Francisco Bay area. And there's so many good people doing good things. But it's still a challenge in America because the news and the alerts and this energy every day. In the Philippines, you didn't have that. I mean, people just were. They were just in their simple beauty. And here it's still a challenge just because of the energy of the media and the culture. But there's lots of great people doing great things. Now, now, you mentioned, because one of, one of our favorite people right now to follow um, that is kind of paving the way for this new way of looking at things is, in fact, Pope Francis. And, and you mentioned Francis, the original St. Francis. And we, right. we really firmly believe that Pope Francis is, is, like, his namesake, he's living up to the expectations of that name. And... I'm really excited because you just wrote a new book. And I'm guessing it has something to do with your experiences over there. Totally. But the whole story with the Pope Francis is incredible. 
You know, we just lived in Assisi, Italy, the home of St. Francis for 12 years. I've been bringing groups there for 25 years. So we've spent a lot of time there. And most people don't really know who St. Francis is. It's much more than a garden statue, and it's much more than somebody who likes animals. I mean, there's a very deep spirituality of inner peace. He was, perhaps, he and Claire were the first great mystics in Europe, and they would spend a lot of time on mountaintops or in San Damiano, her convent, and just experience this incredible inner peace. And from this inner peace will come this prayer, Lord, make me an instrument. And so I'll tell you a funny story. A year ago, just before the new Pope came, you know, I'm writing for the Huffington Post, right? So I sent my wife a love letter through the Huffington Post. And it was going to be a letter from St. Clair to St. Francis. I didn't want to write it from St. Francis to St. Clair. That's too trite, you know. I was going to write it from St. Clair to St. Francis, a love letter. And uh, maybe they will print it because it's Valentine's Day next week, you know? So I wrote this love letter from St. Clair to St. Francis talking about how grateful I am for you. I'm talking to my wife, but I'm also talking from St. Clair to St. Francis, how grateful I am for you. And we have chosen a good life because the real riches are inside of us. We don't need to chase after riches. The real God is in the, you know, in the olive trees and in the garden that we sit in every day. And in our hearts, I mean, what treasure we have found. Anyway, I write this letter for the Huffington Post. They do not publish it. But three weeks later, the new Pope comes along. His name is Francis. And suddenly my letter is published in the Huffington Post. And I thought that was so funny. <laughs> and, and, and then I decided, well, okay, they published one. I'll try another. So this time I write a letter from St. Francis to St. Clair. saying, dear Claire, thank you for your letter. It's so special that we have the same heart and that we know the same truth that simplicity is our best friend. And in simplicity, life is finding more and more grace, more and more simplicity. And then beauty is everywhere. So I write a second letter. And the Huffington Post publishes it again because there's more news about St. Francis, right? So then I write one more letter Claire writing back to Francis, oh, Francis, your letter touched me so deeply. Thank you. And have you heard about the new pope? The new pope is one of your brothers. Can you imagine if there's really a pope who's a brother of Francis? And then I continue in the letter. Francis, imagine if this pope really follows in your footsteps. What could really happen? Francis, maybe he will teach peace. I mean, real peace. Maybe he will tell the rich people... Don't be in such a hurry. Experience how rich you can be right now in the peace. And so I write a third letter, and it's published also in the Huffington Post. So I'm all excited. And then I write a fourth letter, no more. And then I decide, wow, I should write a book of St. Francis and St. Clair writing letters to each other about the new Pope. And could he really be a brother? And if he is a brother... Humility can heal anything. I don't care how rich and how powerful the Vatican is. If he really has humility, it can move mountains. And so they keep writing letters back and forth, Francis and Claire. 
and it becomes a book. And I, we had no idea in those days that the Pope really would become a brother. And so now we're very excited about this book. It just came out last week or so, and we're sending it out stone by stone, step by step. We're passing around this book. Love letters between Francis and Claire. Is this new Pope for real? And what would, he, what would the church look like if he's really a brother? And it keeps posing that question. While they are talking about this beautiful path of finding a very big God inside their hearts, because that's what they did. They were great mystics. They found a huge God inside their hearts. And then when they opened their eyes, they saw it in the poor people and the lepers. They saw it in the rich people. They saw it in all the animals and the trees. They saw God everywhere. But it came from finding this big God in the heart. And I think this new Pope, he has the same experience. He has spent a lot of time in silence. He knows he's no different than the man that cleans his floors. I've heard, I have a good friend who's a priest who gives me inside stories. The Pope, I am told, sneaks, goes out of the Vatican at night alone and visits the homeless people in Rome. Now, this is what Francis would do. So it's a very it's ex- special That's time. exactly it. So I was going to ask, Bruce, because we've been following Pope Francis very, very, very closely because it has um, always been in my heart that an institution such as the Catholic Church simply cannot fall. It's not a benefit to mankind at all for that to happen. However, it could not remain the way it was. It also was not a benefit to mankind. It would take a massive shift in perception and understanding for the church to become the light that it was originally intended for it to be. Could it happen? Yes, I believe it did. I, like you, wrote a quote-unquote prediction in my second book calling for our previous pope to step down told him it was time. It's time to go, my friend. You need to step down. <laughs> Did I think at the time that it would happen? All I knew is that I had to write that, that, that I was being told that that needed to be written at the end of the book. So when he did step down and when Pope Francis came into the papacy and began doing the things that he was doing, first of all, he took the name and that in, a, in and of itself is a very powerful thing. Not yeah, only because that, none of them has had the the nerve to do that before. No, he's the first one. Because this is this is a Nikki, saint Nikki, who embraces Nikki, are, the teachings Nikki, of humility. Yeah, Nikki, you are a real sister. You're great. You're <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so I've been watching this with with bated breath and and much enthusiasm. I I realize that having a Jesuit at the head of the church was going to be paradigm shifting. So we have been following it very closely through the progression of, of his first year in, I don't know, at the papal palace, we'll call it. And, and we talk frequently on our morning show and our night show about some of the changes that he has, he has brought to the church. This morning's show, we, we talked about him again. I can't stop saying enough good things, which I never thought I would say about a Pope. But how mind-blowing is it for you? Because for me to read that last page on my book 
and to realize that, oh, my goodness, he did step down and look at who took his place. So how mind-blowing is it for you to have written a book, an entire book, about our need for a pope who would represent the energy of St. Francis and then to have a pope come into the papacy and take his name and stand on the truth of the essence of everything that Pope or that St. Francis represented throughout his life. That must have just been like, what for you? Yeah, because the 12 years we were in Assisi were under the last two popes. And uh, I said the same thing. When the last pope resigned, I wrote an article for the Huffington Post calling on the spirit of St. Francis to come back into the church because I'm coming from Italy, right? Uh, and then I wrote these letters to my wife through Francis and Claire for Valentine's Day. But I, we had no idea that this would happen. And if it would happen, who would believe that one of these cardinals would have the simplicity and the joy of St. Francis? I mean, who would ever have guessed? Or This is like fiction. I mean, who would ever have believed this? It's incredible. Wouldn't have believed it 10 years ago. I wouldn't. Five years ago, three years ago, 16 months ago. Me either. Yeah. Yeah. That's just it. When I wrote that that last page in the second book, all I was told is that you have to write this. But did I... Did I know that it would happen? Maybe in my heart, yes, I knew I knew that it would happen. But my head was telling me that's crazy. It could never happen. He's not going to step down. Nobody stepped down in what was it, two hundred, three hundred years, something crazy no, like that. Popes do not years, advocate. Yeah. Popes don't yeah, but, advocate. It's just something they don't do. Yeah, but Nikki, now it's important to realize that um, it's not the new pope is not really left or right. He's not liberal or conservative. He's spiritual. And that, from my point of view, people need to understand St. Francis and St. Clair deeply in their hearts. Then they can really support the new Pope. And that's why we've written this book. Because everybody looks at it as he liberal, as he conservative, what's he going to do, changing the rules. I mean, we want to make a lot of changes, yes, but that's not really the most important thing. Most important thing is that he has a very deep heart that comes out of silence. And if you have a church, if you have a church that's in the deep heart of silence, that's a new church. It's really about taking it back to the base teachings of Christianity, what Jesus brought forward in his message, and that is love. Thy fellow man, love thy neighbor. It doesn't. It's it's no more complex than that. It's the simplest it's, message ever brought to mankind. And yeah, but it's, and it's not complicated. They, but this, this, excuse me, this deep love. The first Christians went into the desert, and then they found this deep love. And like Mother Teresa, when she loved all these people, people don't realize her first. She was in the convent. She was a deep contemplative. I spent a lot of years with these Sisters of Charity, Mother Teresa's group. Their first contemplatives, and out of that comes big service to mankind. And in the West, we try to just jump over the contemplative part, and we just think we're going to become suddenly nice and loving and giving. We can try, but it does not come from our personality. It comes from a deep silence in our hearts where there's this infinite resource. 
And so that's the real teaching of Francis and Claire, Mother Teresa, the first Christians who went into the desert, all the mystics. And for Pope Francis to take us back to the real teachings, yes, we should be more loving. Yes, we should not be so materialistic. But it's really the whole story is much deeper than that. And I think he can take us back to the original teachings. And it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I honestly think he's headed there because he's put himself in a position right now where he's making, sending a very clear message to the Vatican and to the members of the Catholic Church. Do not put me on a pedestal. I do not belong there. And he has done it right from day one. He's trying to, I think, convey that message that you, you don't need the intermediary. That connection to God, that connection to source, to the creator, that's right there. It's easy access. Any time of day, all you have to do is ask. And that's what he's teaching through his actions because he stepped off the pedestal, because he, he admits to being a sinner. He admits to being no different from any other man because he sneaks out of the Vatican to, to feed the hungry just like any other member of the church. He refuses to ride in a in glass-encased vehicle. He refuses to use the limousine. He refuses to use the private dining services. He wants to cook his own meals. He wants to eat in the cafeteria amongst his fellow priests, which is the way he looks at them. They're just my fellow priests. That's what he's bringing to the church. And I, as far as I know, now, I, I haven't gone back in the history and, and carefully studied every pope in, in the history of the church, but as far as I know, what he's doing has never been done in the history of the papacy. So it's a very exciting, and I love watching him. I, even more than that, I love watching the reaction of the people. Uh, yeah. yeah, everything you say is true. I'm just saying that, People don't have a framework to understand it. Like you spending time in the Philippines and Richard, you spending time in Costa Rica and third world people can get it more easily. But in the West, I mean, because I read the Huffington Post and all these things, all that, they're all looking, is he liberal or conservative? Is he going to do this or do that? And that's not really what it's about. That's only a small part of the story. The small, the big part of the story is he represents the soul of the Philippines and the people in Costa Rica and the poor and simple and just normal people everywhere. And, Absolutely. Uh, and because he's very clear about that, you know, I'm I'm a poor boy from Argentina. What? That you know, and uh, insisted on insists on things like eating with everybody else, living simply, uh, renewing his taking own taking the bus. Taking the bus, renewing his own <laughs> passport, paid for right, his right, own right. Argentinian passport. And uh, uh, you know, it, it, so it's so it's great that your show is supporting this. And we wrote this book. It's called The Love Letters. Saint Francis and Saint Claire of Assisi meet Pope Francis. Just the love letters. And I think all of us who understand, we need to offer support. We need to get the message out because one man is not going to do it. It's all of us sharing our life in the Philippines and Costa Rica and in Assisi, our normal human hearts. And it's great to have a church leader who has a beautiful human heart. And uh, we all are going to get it out there and support the message of St. Francis, which is simplicity and the deep silence of love. It's a very special time. Very special. It, it is. We're, we are truly 
absolutely blessed to be alive and bearing witness to this shift that's occurring right now on our planet. Totally, totally. So heart opening and and quite frankly, it's rather mind blowing. I, I'm completely fascinated every single day. I always see something new and cool and and inspiring going on around me. Yeah, we were really lucky to be in Assisi, Italy for the last twelve years every day, and we saw the shift. You know, Assisi had a terrible earthquake when we first arrived, and the city was destroyed. And it was symbolic of the church. And then Assisi's been rebuilding through these years. We started the first center in Assisi for all religions. It never happened before. And we had altars to all the religions. And John Pope John Paul sent a special blessing for that center. And it was like the beginning. And then the Pope, both Popes had meetings for people of all religions. So there was something slowly happening. But meanwhile, the city was destroyed in this terrible earthquake. And uh, we, my wife and I, we just kept running retreats for people of all religions to sit in the Peace of St. Francis. And there's a lot of people from all over the world who live around the in small communities, going to India, going to special places, living around Assisi. This is still the place of St. Francis, even though the church had so many problems. And then here's this new Pope who has the heart of St. Francis of Assisi. And it's incredible to, to be part of this whole story. It it absolutely is. I have to, you know, I'm putting this on my rich my wish list, Richard. I hope you're taking notes. Hello. Um, <laughs> I want to go there. I want to go <laughs> we there. Have to take the show there. I want yes, to take must. an on road trip there. Yeah, we will help you. We give you. You can. Stay. We have a retreat center still there. We have a retreat center in Assisi and one now near Napa, California. It was time for us to come back. We got children and grandchildren here. But anyway, um, you must go there because I never thought in the Western world there would be a place like the Philippines. I never thought there'd be an actual place in the Western world that you can sit and just have peace, a peace without end. Just an incredible piece. Well, and and, and uh, like you said, so many people have heard of Saint Francis. He's maybe one of the most famous saints. You know, yeah, that's a guy with the animals, right? It's that's right. what people think, because the 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 history of mysticism in 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 the church has really been just not talked about. It, it just you know not acknowledged. Yeah. Well, what 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 he did? Well, he's praying for. Six hours. What? No, he's meditating. He was being with himself, and it, it. Yeah. Well, the great religious leaders today, I would say the Dalai Lama and the Pope, they both spend many hours each day in reflection and meditation. That's Absolutely. the basis. That's the basis of their day. And most people, they don't talk about that. They talk about other things about the Dalai Lama or the Pope, but they have to realize the foundation each morning. It's hours and meditation, sitting in this deep peace of silence. Absolutely, and then taking those meditations and integrating them throughout your day, which is something we talk about repeatedly on this show, that there is an opportunity in Western living for you to integrate meditation 
into your everyday life. You are stopped at a red light. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to go within, to take a moment and be grateful, to be present, to be in the now, take a to breath. be aware, to be mindful, instead exactly. of worrying about the fact that you're going to be late. If you're stuck in traffic, this is a wonderful opportunity, again, for you to take a moment to, to be in the now, to be mindful, to be present. But we are so, so convinced that meditation is difficult and that it requires mantra and, and study Robes and, and, incense and, and removing ourselves and stopping our thoughts and, and all these challenging things. But the truth of it is, is that a true master of meditation lives and breathes meditation in everything that they do. Not just in a few hours a day of becoming one with all, all that is, but in every aspect of their daily lives. Yeah, it's not complicated. It's complicated because most of us are complicated. But in truth, it's very simple. Like in retreats now, we teach just two simple steps to meditation. We offer everything in our hearts, everything that's keeping us busy in our hearts whether it's worries about family or money or health, whatever it is, we just offer that. And the second part of the meditation is we go in our hearts and receive our own gentleness, our own deep well of peace. And the silence outside helps us feel this quiet place deep inside. And it's not complicated. We have... Most of the people coming to us are beginners. They've never done. Okay, guys. Time for a break. And they've never met Hold on one second. Stuff. Hold on one second, Hang Bruce. On a second, Bruce. Okay. We, yep. We're uh, the calls. The calls breaking up uh, on us. break time. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and take our break. And normally we don't hang up on break, but uh, let's go ahead and hang up. And, and, and then we'll reconnect within just a few minutes. Uh, so Hopefully we get a new circuit or a new wire that will be clean and clear. All right? Thank you. 
We have a choice to walk in a good way, make new decisions, pray for peace within us all. We can find strength together. We Welcome back, everybody. Uh, that was kind of a sudden go to break, but sometimes George schedules things that way. You can tell we're not going to quit talking, so he just turns off the Skype. Uh, but that was our friend Ina V with her song Earth Prayer, because, well, 
appropriate. Earth prayer, yeah. yeah contemplative Ho'oponopono healing. Very beautiful thing. Fortunately, we don't anymore play it actually live because then we would uh, lose Nikki almost every time. So it goes away. <laughs> it floats away into the music somewhere. <clears throat> there's, well, that, there's that and the hang. <clears throat> this, oh, I love the hang. But there's this beautiful, amazing energetic about that song that, I mean, it's really all about gratitude for all that our mother gives to us. And, and really, when you think about it, nothing that we could that we do even the radio show could we do without without the support of our planet certainly and so for me it's you know i we i need her <laughs> and every opportunity i have to say thank you to the life that she gives me is is a beautiful blissful opportunity and and the energy behind that song is just that that's what it is it really is just that that outpouring of I'm so grateful for everything, everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I've experienced. Thank you. And it's so handy to find that in yourself and in something like nature, uh, this beautiful creation where we live, because uh, I've discovered over time that if you put that, you know, grat- attitude of gratitude in place only about other people, you're, you're in for trouble because they're probably going dis- to disappoint you. Or at least, if it's me, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to tell you now in advance. I'm probably going to stumble a little, but you know, hey, I'll keep I'll keep on skipping best I can. But isn't that the message? Is that we're all perfectly imperfect? Isn't that it? I mean, isn't isn't that what we're here to experience and explore? Is our perfect imperfection? Absolutely, because apparently, when you're a pope named Francis, and it's time for you to publicly hear confession from folks, you decide that you need some confession first, because we lead by example, right? I, I wanted to... I, I, there may be video. I'm going to have to look and see if his master of ceremony... Because apparently his master of ceremony is like pointing at the designated booth where the Pope is supposed to go sit to take confession, and the Pope takes off and goes the other way. <laughs> you know? It, you're thinking, exactly. you know... I love he, he, that just, he just wandered away. He just wandered away from the guy who was showing him where to go. And he went down on his knees and he confessed. Incredible. Yeah. I love that man. Because, you know. I love that man. I thought we were here about confession. I see a priest over there. I'll take avail myself of that if you don't mind. And and it it because that's the thing, right? You want leaders. How do you be a leader? They got all these courses and things you can go to over here in the West to learn to be a leader. Just lead your own life. And take a breath and be where you be, and and um, it well, it makes all the difference in the world. And but it does it lead does. to confusion I, on the part of you know society norms from time to time. You know, wait, you're supposed to go over here. <laughs> it does, but that's okay. Confusion is good for the soul as well. I think it, it prompts us to ask questions, really deep questions. But I gotta say, you know, I've I've never wanted to meet a any any of the past popes, it, it, even though I had a lot of respect for for the the way paving that Pope well, John Paul Paul did, yeah, yeah you know, Paul I second. mean, it, it, of course, you know, he he paved the way for this to to become a reality. But I've never wanted to be pope before. I I don't just want to meet Pope Francis. 
I want to hug Pope Francis. I, I want to hug I wanna him catch and say him thank on, you. I want to catch him I on one of those nights. I just want to hug him and say thank you. When he's, when he's <laughs> outside the, the Vatican in his you know regular priest outfit feeding the homeless, I want to catch him out there and sit down and drink a cup of coffee with him because he, he strikes me as the sort of person you could do that with. And Absolutely. that that's one of the I, things I he talks about with the, not, with the not living in the papal apartment, which is really a palatial thing, is he said that I'd be separated from the people, and that's not good for me. And so I think he'd sit down and have a cup of coffee and have a great conversation. But we're having a great conversation here, so. And I have coffee. We are. In, With another, in an well, mug. I don't have coffee. I have sacramental wine. with half water you know because but it's holy water water, no we should be saying that bruce lived in italy for how long he's probably cringing she puts water in her wine (laughs) the italians do that too for their children you know when it comes to mealtime everybody has wine but for the kids, they add a little water to the wine. It's okay. Yeah. It's it's the child in me. Uh, I have a very low tolerance, and I don't like the feeling of being drunk. However, I do really love the taste of red wine. So even though I'm married to a Frenchman and I live in Quebec, <laughs> I water my wine much to well, the disgust of every, everybody Italy, around me. In Italy, almost everybody has their own little vineyard. We had our own little vineyard, and we were making our own wine. And I normally don't drink at all, but we had our own wine. It was very sweet, and uh, we used no chemicals in it. It was so much fun, you know. And you just you you have to have wine every day. It's just part of their life. It's it's part of the culture here as well. Certainly, we live in in um, in a wine area. Canadian and, wine country. You know, I mean, we're you know, we're surrounded by vineyards. There's so many of them to choose from that you just you, you couldn't possibly visit them in one week even you know i mean one day is completely out one week you might be lucky if you can get them all in the immediate area and visit them properly and um so we're very very blessed to have local many of them you know organic not messed with beautiful wines and i'd love to do that here but I don't want to be here long enough to nurture a vineyard, <laughs> to be quite honest. No, no, I want to get out there but, and explore that. It's, it's, it's interesting. The yeah. first miracle of Christ was changing water into wine for a wedding feast, right? And one of the major miracles of St. Francis was he was on top of a mountain in the middle of Italy, and he was sick. And he asked the brothers, please, can you bring me a little wine? And they said, I'm sorry, we have no wine, but I'll bring you some water. And then mysteriously, as they brought the water to St. Francis in his little bedroom, you know, the water had changed to wine. And so this is all in the spirit of Christianity and of St. Francis of wine and joy and the fruit of life, enjoying life. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's funny because that's, that's, that's my brother's, and I actually wrote about it in one of my books. It's my brother's thing with regards to how I live my life because I live it, I live it as a synchronistic. Um, things come when they're supposed to come, and that's the way it works. And I'm taken care of, and I know that. So that's, that's pretty much how I live. And he, he jokingly tells me 
frequently that, yeah, you change your water into wine again. There you go. <laughs> that's, how, that's how he describes the way I live my life, just changing water into wine. Yeah, water into wine, lead into gold, little alchemy on the side, never hurt. Yeah, but I think the message, the message behind it is that ordinary life, just taking a walk with a good friend, it's more than a walk with a good friend. It's golden. You know, in ordinary life, water becomes wine. And that's the message in these miracles. St. Francis had a lot of miracles. And most people don't know about it. It wasn't just talking to animals. There was all kinds of miracles of healing. And he had visions. And uh, both St. Francis and most people don't even know who St. Clair is. You know, St. Francis is not possible without St. Clair, and St. Clair is not possible without St. Francis. It's sort of like Mary and Christ. They were supporting one another. And uh, the joy of life produces miracles. So for, for our listeners who don't know, can you explain a bit about that relationship? Because it is, it is a topic that not many people know about. Yes, St. Francis was a young man, and he um, didn't want to grow up in his father's business. And he was sent off in a crusade, and he was captured on the first day. He was not a good soldier. And he spent a year in prison in Perugia, which is the town near Assisi. And there he became sick, and he began asking, what is my life all about? And he came back to Assisi, and he was, before this time, he was a troubadour. You know, he was a playboy, a, a singer, or in modern days he was like a hippie, and he was talking in the main square, and Claire, a young lady in the main square, heard him talking, and his words went right to her soul. She understood that there's more to life than what our parents are doing. There's more to life than just making money and being busy in this whole story. And Claire, so St. Francis that's the whole story, but eventually he became, he started this path, and Claire immediately joined him. And uh, she thought she was going to run off with Francis, and they would do the path together of just listening to the heart, living for the heart, being in the heart, and they inspired each other. She was the first woman to start a woman's order, and she was an incredible saint. And most people just know about St. Francis, but... She was very special. They, they inspired one another. Uh, it's a great love affair. Nobody knows that they actually had a love relationship. That's not so important. It was a great love affair of the heart. They inspired one another. She understood Francis. And Francis understood Claire. And that's what love is all about, you know, just understanding each other. And from that comes a deep support. Very special. And I- I think it is important for people to understand that this is the perfectly natural thing to happen. Um, how we ever lost this appreciation of of the miracle of love is is really beyond me. I can't quite grasp it. Um, but this idea that our spiritual leaders must be <clears throat> above and beyond normal human need for connection is something I can't possibly fathom or understand because a large part of our experience as human beings is that connection with our fellow man or fellow woman. 
And I think that it's really important that whenever we're able to shed light on the fact that this was normal and acceptable and expected at one time for spiritual leaders to be in a relationship, to have a love in their life, somebody who didn't make them whole because that's not needed. You are whole in and of yourself, but somebody who would walk with them, share in their life experience with them, inspire them, encourage them, uplift them. That's a very necessary part of our own personal growth and development. And how we ever got to the the understanding that that's not okay is I I still question. You know, it's it's why did we do that? Because it's silly. <laughs> I just what a fascinating choice as a as a race. Yeah, it's we made a fascinating silly. choice. In the church, you know, the isolation of the priest is terrible. And this isolation of the priest, it created all the problems in the church. And uh, I have good friends who are priests, and they're not allowed. I can call them, but they're not supposed to call me. And they're very isolated. And that isolation creates all kinds of problems. And even in our culture, most relationships, most husbands and wives, we become too isolated from each other. You know, we don't have this deep sharing. We're so busy. And if we don't have a little bit of a reflective, meditative life, we're just busy and we lose each other. But isolation does not work for love. You can't love in isolation. No, and, and you can't. I, I, I just don't think it's a natural human state. I think it goes against everything that we are. At the very core essence of our being. It goes we are communal beings. We need to love. We need to be loved. We need to share love. It's who we are. And when we're and when we're in love we're vulnerable. And when we're vulnerable we need each other to support each other. And that's why the new Pope and Saint Francis Saint Clair is so special, because it's all about being human. It's all about being vulnerable. And uh, we need each other. We give to each other naturally then. And it was so much more the natural order in in so many indigenous societies. It wasn't something that was even really talked about because it was just understood. You know, it's us. You know, there wasn't us and them and we and he and she and it was just us. And... um, uh, so that's, I think, one reason why there's so many indigenous and, 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 and even religious orders that don't teach that kind of thing because it, it was just an unspoken, like, yeah, you've got to breathe. You've got to be in community. What? It, 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 I think, I think so taken for it. granted, it disappeared. I think you just said it. The word is community because we spend a lot of time in poor communities, spend a lot of time with homeless people, feeding homeless. And the community is natural when you're with each other. And the more wealth we have, the more middle class we become, the more isolated we can become. And I think there's a big hunger for community. And this Pope and St. Francis St. Clair, it was all about communities. It was about being brothers and sisters. It's about community. And I think there's a big, big desire for this, big hunger for this. We have everything, but we don't have everything. We have nothing if we don't have community. I mean, what do we have? Oh, you could have, you know, just 
universe is full of love, and if there's no, if you can't express it, if there's no sharing, if there's no something, it, 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 it why, <laughs> why? Um, if, if, if this was supposed to be a solo flight, there'd only be one of us here, I think. Uh, it, 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 why would you bother? It's messy to have that many people running around, and and his insistence that you know I want to I want to eat in the cafeteria, I want to ride the bus with the guys, you know I. It, it, the day that he was made pope, he's supposed to sit up in the chair, and people, you know, all the other cardinals come say their loyalty, and he refused and stood on the same floor they stood on, and told, like every one of them, "I'm just your brother." It's very you special know. to give up self-importance. You know, that's like the biggest enemy to spiritual growth. If we give up importance, that's our ticket to freedom. And the Pope can really describe that. That's what we try to do in the book, because that's what Francis was. He really gave up self-importance. And it was through this prayer, because the ego doesn't know what to do. So he kept praying, Lord, make me an instrument. And that just kept going deeper and deeper inside, Lord, make me an instrument. And that's the way out of self-importance and our arrogance and so much I, I, I. And it happens slowly, but if the Pope becomes an example of this prayer, Lord, please make me an instrument. Um, just to breathe that prayer invites some gentleness and softness and humility. It's very special. And if he can do that to the rich and powerful, imagine. I mean, it's incredible what can happen. No, it is. It, it Because it... The, the the second part of that too the the let me seek not so much to be understood as to understand it it mm-hmm. it that's exactly. that self importance is you don't understand me because if you did you'd agree with me because I'm right <laughs> that's <laughs> self importance and and um uh, you know for popes to just it it, it seems you just hit it, it on the point. There's a big difference between being right and service. I mean, it's like night and day. And in our Western culture, we so want to be right. And it's just totally different from how can I serve this story right now? How can I serve the people I'm with and what can I do for you? It's just night and day. And this new Pope, he's night and day. It's an incredible miracle. Oh, it is. Uh, we, yes. we just hope that people understand he's not going to do it by himself. It's all of us you know, practicing and sharing the message. That's why we're really happy about this new book, because it's really about Francis and Clarence, because we lived it for 35 years, and it's been my whole life journey. And yeah. I, never thought, I never thought anybody would be interested. And if there was not this new pope, believe me, this would never become a book, because who cares about Francis and Claire writing love letters? I mean, it's really not that interesting. Love letters to their saints, aren't they? What a, put that away type thing, you know. Well, every, and, and, everything does happen for a reason, and it does oh, happen in its own divine time. And that's, that's really what we're talking about here. And why, when I, saw, when I saw the title of the book, I started hounding Deborah. I'm like, I need to, Jesus, to get me in touch with this guy. I want to talk to him. Because I get it. Not only do I get it, like I need to get my hands on this book because I love what you've done. The timing couldn't be better. I know that it, it's most assuredly, without question, whether you want to put it out there or not, I'm going to put it out there. This is divinely inspired. It cannot be any other way. 
I will not accept that it is any other way. It, this book was meant to be written in this time, and it needs to be read. Yeah, People well, we need to understand what our Pope represents, who he right. is. Yeah, a lot of people, even even our uh, quote spiritually minded friends unquote, aren't really sure. I think why we get so excited every time <laughs> he, he does these things, and it's because it is a lot oh, larger, I think, than than some people realize. And it is. Um, it's a massive you know, it's really game changer. Funny. Talking with the two of you, this is the first talk or radio show I have given on the new book. And I had no idea that you would be interested in Pope Francis, St. Francis. I mean, it's not a normal conversation. And to meet you guys in my first, this is the first conversation about the new book. And to meet you guys is just incredible. And uh, the synchronicity is incredible. And the book is from a small publisher. I mean, we're just two people. We have no big organization. We're just two contemplatives living in silence. And uh, Yes, who's your publisher, Bruce? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's a small publisher in Tennessee called Grave Distractions that are... Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Who's your publisher, Nikki? Who's your publisher, Nikki? Uh, My publisher is a small publisher in Tennessee called Grave Distractions. That's how we found each other. (laughs) Actually, no, that's how you found Grave Distractions. (laughs) (laughs) We have the same agent. We, well, we have, we have we have grand Deborah friends in column in common. Deborah sends uh, us amazing authors, and has your agent Deborah has been sending us amazing authors for a long time. And just recently, one of her authors asked me about a publisher, and so I told her about mine because I really stand behind everything that he does. I believe in everything that he represents, and I absolutely adore him and his business modality. And so. Devra got to talking to him, and the next thing I know, you're being published through Grave, and I'm just excited as all get out because I saw the title of the book and I started hounding Devra. I'm like, I gotta meet this guy. Yeah, so they we're gonna have fun on the radio. Yeah, the book business, as you know, has changed a lot, and it's not an easy business for authors or publishers. So it's really stone by stone, step by step, that books get out, and that we have to support each other. It's a, it's a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and Brian's Brian's business motto is is really like it's it's back to the basics, the basic family values, environmental awareness, you know, I mean, he just he cares. He he so cares about the business. Oh, he cares about yeah, the authors. He cares about the impact that it has He's, on on society. Yeah. Yeah, he's joined us on the show. We've had grand fun with. Yeah, well, it's great that the form and the substance come together. And that's what Pope Francis and St. Francis is about. You cannot separate our lives from what we do. What we do is life. And we have to enjoy it and have uh, some integrity in every moment. And I think the publisher does that. And on a bigger picture, that's what this new Pope was talking about. You can't separate. The, you know, the spirit from the body. The, they have to be together. And that's very powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah. What is this, your spiritual life versus your physical life? What are you talking about? 
<laughs> You're a spiritual being having a physical experience, so everything you do is spiritual. It's just the way everything. it is. Everything. Brushing your teeth, but all of it. Yeah, but, yes, yeah. everything that that guy over there does is spiritual too. So stop pointing your finger and saying wrong because he's spiritual. <laughs> it just is. Yeah, well, the biggest the biggest thing is not to judge but to serve. You know, there's right. a huge difference. The church so much has been into judging and power and control. And when you talk about serving, you, there's like a different language. You know, it's a whole different world. And... Um, Body and spirit come together through service. And body and spirit are separated when we're judging and controlling and think we are different than the other. It's just two different worlds. One's a spiritual world and one's just an egocentric physical world. And hopefully this Pope, will, he already is, he's melting the ice of our hearts. He's deeply melting this inner ice when yeah. we become frozen. No, no standing up and giving the hellfire and damnation speeches that doesn't do diddly you just go you just go live a life with your heart open and and a desire for service and and hope people notice (laughs) you know it's mostly in in, in america that movement is very strong this fundamentalist hellfire movement and hopefully we all will get it you have to practice everything you preach there's no separation of it and this pope he can melt the ice yeah so the fire so the fire is a real fire, and not just smoke. You know, it's a good fire. Absolutely, because I, I remember being raised, um, my mother was a member of the Catholic Church. I was, um, I was in the Catholic Church at, at a very young age. And I remember those teachings, and I remember thinking that they were just absolutely wonky like it just didn't sit right with me at all but i remember being sat down and being told by my grandmother by the the priest by you know anybody other than my mother because my mother didn't buy into it either but everybody else in my family that would sit me down and and walk me through this this is how you have to live or else you're going to go to hell and that's the way it is and i, I would just look at them and go what I don't. I, Why? I, couldn't grasp I don't understand. It. I don't understand because it didn't. It didn't feel like God to me. This thing that they were putting in front of me, in my in my heart, that wasn't God. That wasn't. That that couldn't have been our Creator because look at all the beautiful things that have been created, and you're telling me that if I do this or if I don't do this, then I'm going to go to hell and God doesn't love me? I don't understand. And then this man comes along and <laughs> he's a Jesuit and now he's a Pope and he starts teaching those basic teachings that I had those questions as a young child, again as a young woman, and again when I wrote my first book. That was my big argument when I was writing my first book I wanted to know how can you over there be hating on this guy over here just because you call your God by a different name and then Pope Francis comes along and does a prayer during Ramadan for the Muslims and says it's okay their God's the same God it's all the same it doesn't matter and my mind went what 
It's very deep in the church. I mean, one of the first reactions to our new book, some lady wrote me, says, well, I don't really believe that you're a good Catholic because I understand at your retreat center, people of all religions are welcome. And I was just like, are you're judging me as that I'm a good Catholic because we welcome people of all religions. And that's this old way of thinking. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, Assisi is a place of all religions and Pope St. Francis and Pope Francis welcome people of all religions. You know, I'm an okay Catholic, you know, calm, everything's okay. <laughs> but it's so deep, you know? And as as you all... should be. One of, the, one of the things I discovered in the Philippines, um, and it was really, it was one of the coolest encounters I had. I was in Baguio City. I was with the kids in a crowd of thousands of people during the Flower Festival. And this... <laughs> Little tiny sister comes up to me in the middle of the crowd, just like a moth to a flame, introduces herself. Hello, I'm Sister Fleur. When you get back to Manila tomorrow, how she could have known is beyond me, but, you know, she's got a direct line. She she must have known something. When you get back to Manila tomorrow, I want you to come see me. And so I actually made arrangements to go and see her at the college or the university that she was that she was teaching at it was it was a college slash um, orphanage that she was one of the the head sisters of um, and so I went and I talked with her and what I discovered in this this incredible little organization in in this vast massive hurry rush around city in the Philippines is that this Catholic <laughs> school had created within it a special room for Muslim students where they could go and practice within this Catholic school and orphanage where Muslims could go and practice their religion. Because as she said, it is not for me to tell them how to connect to God or who or what their God is. It is only for me to encourage them to do so. Blew my mind. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've been to Baguio. It's very beautiful. Special. And you're, are you going to tell me that this little tiny Filipino sister of the cloth who's been a sister since, you know, she was Forever. old enough to decide that's what she wanted to do with her life, you're going to tell me she's not a good Catholic? There's no way. And no that, good. for me, was confirmation that I was exactly where I needed to be, and I was on the right path, and it didn't matter from that point on what anybody told me with regards to whether or not I was a good Catholic or a good Christian. I knew in my heart, thanks to my amazingly magical encounter with this little sister called Sister Fleur, Fleur de Lis, you had to know it's going to come in there somewhere, with this little sister called Fleur, who would teach me that it's, it's perfectly acceptable and, in fact, expected that you should allow other people their own space to connect with God in their own way. Yeah, well, the key words you said were sister of the heart. I'll tell you a cute story. Uh, many years ago, when we were in Assisi, my wife and I started blessing people of all religions, and we called them little flowers. And we, Buddhist nuns, 
Catholic priests, normal people from all over, like 17 countries. There's no rules to this order. There's no money. There's no organization. It's just a community of little flowers, and they're blessed from the spirit of the Sisi. And uh, it's just a support to live from the heart, because where else is there to live from but for the heart? And in truth, we're all just little flowers. We're doing the best we can. And life is about six seconds long. I mean, I can't believe I'm no longer 24 because I'm doing the same thing when I was 24. I'm still sitting on the floor leading retreats. I mean, life hasn't changed. And uh, we're all just little flowers. And we have Muslims and Buddhists and Catholics and all kinds of Christians and people of no religion and shaman. It doesn't really matter. It's uh, we are little flowers of the heart and we're doing the best we can. And I think the Pope gets it. I think he really understands. I think so too. And and, and it's uh, yep, for sure. Uh, just so refreshing to see, and and we do that it's that little cool. giggle, that little giggle you hear coming out of Nikki from time to time. We I get that <laughs> yeah one. I'll, That's the uh, little flower talking. I'll you tell her little flowers like that. I'll tell her the latest thing that Pope Francis did, and she because <laughs> it's it is it's like a little kid going look 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 he did it he said it look look. I had no idea you guys were connected to the new Pope. It's so beautiful. We're totally into it because I have these priests who know that we live there and so on. So they send us these emails from our all over the world about what the Pope is doing and what's going on and the whole story. But I had no idea you guys would be so cool and that you were into the whole thing. You know, it's just great meeting you both. Oh, I would love to see some of those emails. You have no idea. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> you, you sent me your email and I'll forward these things to you. Our that would be so cool. I would love to connect to these people. I really would. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's in my heart that it is eventually going to happen, that I'm going to be able to connect with some of these people who are who are, who are standing in the center of this, this male storm that's happening right now. And it's so exciting well, we're for me go because over I'm, there, right now I'm, I'm we, on the fringes and I'm watching it, and my heart is just like beating out of my chest some days. I see see the things that he does, and... I have tears of joy coming out of my eyes and I can't stop crying because I'm just so bloody grateful that this is happening in my lifetime. It's really, it's that potent and powerful for me. Your tears are the center of what's happening. That's the center of what's happening. And when I hear from the Vatican that the center in the Vatican, they don't know what's happening. They're lost because it's the old school. And the Pope is getting rid of the, for the first time, the Curia, the center of the Vatican, is not being controlled by Italians. He's bringing in all kinds of people. But I'm not, we're not in the center either. It's your tears of joy and of wonder, that's the center of what's happening. And what's interesting, when people come to CC, they often just find themselves crying for no reason. We hear this all the time. I don't even know why I'm crying. I'm just crying because there's something here. And your tears... They're the center of it. It's just very special. It is. It is. It is. I'm, it's uh, so powerful. Uh, blessed to I we're blessed to have I found do. each other, I suppose. But I'm blessed to have found her because we're on this amazing ride, and we have to go. Assisi's not that far from Damanhur, and we're going to go talk to those guys because they're cool. And so we got to go over to Italy. It's just a train ride away, but it's, it's very different things. Damanhur has one message. 
But a CC is a whole other thing. Oh, it's a whole other thing and a whole other yeah. level. But yeah. I, I think some of the things that they're doing with, you know, look, we got to take care of us here and we can do that. And, and, and I think they're doing some admirable things. But Yeah, uh, and it's a community. They're really trying their best to have true community. And right. There's another community next to a CC that I'll tell you about before you go that's very special. And a CC itself is very special. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I really enjoyed Italy. I, like I say, I was fortunate enough to be able to travel in my teens uh, and and see a lot of the world, and, and it really helped shake some of that uh, monolithic idea of things that you can get just you know going to school and, and being an American kid um, because it really isn't the way people tell you. These are yeah, like that, very, and these people are important. like that, and those people are like that, and it's... I've never encountered that anywhere. You know, it's very important to get out of our culture and live in another culture. It's very healing and very freeing. It's uh, it's part of the uh, it's how to change our um, our way of thinking. Get out of our culture and live in another culture for a while. And Italy is very special. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. place. Beautiful people. Yeah. And yeah. and and but like you say, uh, Italy is very special. But Assisi is a whole different universe going on over there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's CC is something special. It's, uh, pilgrims come from all over the world, of all religions, for 800 years to feel it, just to sit there, to experience it. Most people go only for a day to a couple of the churches, but even they, they feel something. But the people go for a few days. For years, we took groups for at least a week or 10 days, and uh, people would change completely in a week. And then my wife said, well, Bruce, if you like it so much, why don't you live there? And to be honest with you, I never thought I deserved to live there. So it took me a long, a long time to just feel it's okay to live in such peace. And then of course you deserve there. it. Yeah, but I didn't, isn't, that, isn't that our, our God-given right? I know, but... I'm the reason why honest. we've been brought here? I didn't know practically, or I didn't know how, I just didn't know how, if I deserved to do it. And then to actually, it was a gift just to know the place and go for a couple of weeks every year. I did that for 25 years. And then she said, well, why don't you spend a month there? I said, well, I never really thought about that. And then she said, why don't we just live here for a while? Why don't we just, because we didn't financially, couldn't just move. So we had to sell everything and move. And then we found this room in a CC that was the original courthouse in the time of St. Francis, it was in ruins, so we, re, we took all of our money and we restored that room and put in altars to all the religions and just invited people to come sit in the silence of all the altars of all the religions and in, in the middle of the CC. And it was incredible. And it was just kept unfolding. And my priest friend said, I told her we're going to a CC. They said, the only way you can go to a CC is that you're incredibly naive. And it was true. We were incredibly naive. And the first day that we opened this room for all religions, the police came to us at 4.30 in the morning and arrested us for devil worship. Because one of, the neighbors, one of the neighbors reported us to the police that there was a Buddha in our room. We brought the first statue of Buddha into a CC in a public place ever. And I explained to them, I'm a doctor, I'm a psychologist, it's okay. We have a room for people of all religions. But they took us in and questioned us. They wanted to see all of our papers. And we had formally, they made a report for devil worship. 
because that's the other side to this old-fashioned Italian Catholic culture. And I said, no, we're not devil worship. We're in the spirit of St. Francis and the new Pope, John Paul, at that time, where I have people of all religions. So we experienced both sides intensely. We were there for all the earthquakes, and then we were there for all the hope, and we were in love. Francis and Claire were in love. We were in love. And then, then comes Pope Francis, and it's a, it's incredible. It's a, who would ever dream such a thing is possible? So, I did. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously yeah. did, because you wrote the book. And here we are. <laughs> those of us out here who knew, I, th- I think I think what it boils down to at the end of the day is that there was enough people on the fl- on the planet who were holding out faith, who knew that that it wasn't for the Catholic Church to fall; it was simply for it to change. And I I, I can't count the amount of times I've been told it'll never change. In the Philippines, I asked them, "Why can't you get along with the Muslims? Why can't you create a peace treaty?" Why can't that happen? And I was told repeatedly in the Philippines and when I came back to Toronto, Canada, within the Filipino community here, that it would never happen. Yet this week, just this past week, a peace treaty was signed between the Filipino government and the Muslim rebels. So, yes, of course, miracles happen. They happen every day. It's in our power as human beings to create those miracles through our faith. Our faith in humanity, not our faith in God, but our faith in all, because that is God, and that includes humanity. We have to believe in our fellow man. If we don't do that, then we've failed, and I refuse to fail. I believe that mankind can can do this. You both are very beautiful, and you're the center of what's happening, because believe me, it's not in the Vatican. I mean, there's the Pope, and this poor man is in the middle of all these bureaucrats, and the energy in the Vatican, I mean, we spent time there, is totally the opposite of a CC. I mean, it's all about power and control and everything. I think that's their biggest. I think that's his biggest reason for not moving into that papal apartment, is because it is. It's exactly. very oppressive Icky. atmosphere. And exactly, Icky. but uh, most of the cardinals and the bishops around him are the old school, they're mm. not the new yeah. school. I don't understand how he ever got elected. I mean, I have no idea how. I think that they all woke up the next day and said, "Oh my God, what have we done?" Because exactly. I think it was by default. <clears throat> Honestly, I, I, I had no idea, and I talked to my friends who know the inner stories and stuff. I've never heard a good explanation. Nobody really understands how it happened. It just had to be, and it took uh, time. Divine timing, and, divine will. <laughs> and God uh, said, "This is going to happen." <laughs> it is. Yeah. And with, you know, well, I'll, yeah, I'll just vote for Bergoglio this time because he's never won and he's not going to win. So that'll be safe until the next round after we can make some yeah. more backroom deals. And all of a sudden, you know, there he was being pope, and they're like, "Oh my God, what do we do?" Um, you know, as, as I'm sitting here talking to you both, I have this intuition that you may do your radio show from Assisi, and it may not just be once or twice. You may actually continue doing it from Assisi because you both are so deep. And the spirit of simplicity and truth and heart that your radio show may come from Assisi, which is this, really the center of the church now. Um, it's incredible. You got you both are very beautiful. You're very special. I'm really blown away that you're my first interview with the new book. I'm well, really touched. You need well, you both. We're uh, we're honored. 
Absolutely. It's an honor and a privilege to, to have to the opportunity to meet you, to talk to you. Um, certainly, you know, we have to give a huge shout out to to our publisher, our mutual publisher, Brian Kennard at Grave Distractions Publications, um, for making he, 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 both he, he, of our both of our publication and, dreams come true, and yeah, for Deborah for making this yeah. happen. They both had many authors and different kinds of books. It's a really a special miracle to meet you both. You're both very beautiful. And. Uh, but I fully expect that these kind of encounters shall uh, increase in frequency, because uh, absolutely, because that would be good, that would be fun. So we'll do that because we did the other. Okay, you guys are the center of what's happening, and continue doing what you're doing because it's very good. It's very important. Well, thank you. It's good. It's, it's good to hear that because we do have we do have our days. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope. I hope. So people are I gave up the rainforest to come up to Phoenix to get a good enough uh, internet connection so we could do this thing. So here we go. Yeah, I. I, <laughs> get, I gave up the Philippines to come back to Canada so I could be a radio show host. So there must be there must be a reason for it. Um, so how do people find you, my dear? When when the book comes out, people are going to want to get their hands on it. Certainly, you've written other books before. Um, you've done other work, you have retreats, so how do people get in touch with you? How do they find you? Well, it's very easy. We're at silentstay.com. I don't like being quiet. Silentstay.com. And the name of the book is The Love Letters by Bruce Davis. And uh, at silentstay.com, we, they will find out about the silent retreats we lead in Assisi, Italy, and then also here in California near San Francisco. Ooh. Just looking at the pictures, kind of blown away. And um, <laughs> you can you can also go to the Huffington Post, just you know HuffingtonPost.com. People have probably right. heard of that, and they have a search box on every page. Just type Bruce Davis. You don't even have to remember the PhD part, and he's the first uh, result search result. You just click right and there. I write for the Huffington Post every week, mostly about silence. So if you type in silence or Bruce Davis silence or Bruce Davis St. Francis, the articles come up. The articles and pop I, right up. And we, yeah. have, we have another good friend that writes for the Huffington Post, Olivia Rosewood, uh, who oh, writes on meditation yeah. for the Post. Right, right, right. I, I do too. I just wrote an article today on meditation. It's really not complicated. It's about going inside for this deep love that's found in the silence. And I just wrote an article today about that. It came out today. Huffington Post is great. It's a good community of people. Oh, yeah. Everybody's, everybody's doing what they can do. It's great. You guys. And we just, our commitment now is to have two places of pure silence. So we have it in Assisi, Italy. And we have it here in Northern California that people can come and experience the beauty of silence. And silence touches us very deeply. It really washes the mind. You know, our minds are so busy. That's just a habit. It doesn't have to be busy. And when the mind is washed, we feel like Philippine or in Costa Rica. You know, we just feel like we, just, we feel more in love with just being a human being. Pura vida, they say yeah. in in uh, Costa Rica. It, it, uh, yeah, I'm sure it was interesting for Nikki because she got to watch as I, you know, went from "There's no this, I'm sweating and it's hot" to you know telling long stories about the way the moths would play in the ceiling fans and you know uh, I, I, I think 
I think for me it was it was the outside looking in of of my own journey to the Philippines because uh, I was a mess going into the Philippines, but coming out it must have been quite the shock to my friends and family. The person who came back certainly wasn't the person who who left, um, and so you know that's it's so very it's so true. interesting. Though. My journey began in the Philippines and it's ended now with love letters of St. Francis, St. Clair, and Pope Francis. And you just are coming back to the Philippines and you're totally into the Pope and St. Francis, the whole story. I mean, it's just incredible meeting both of you. It's just wonderful. Well, it, it really, um, a large part of my experience and my journey was around the, the church and how that happened. I, it just, it just is. It's ingrained into me. It's a part of my path. It's a part of my journey. Um, Mary is a huge part of my everyday existence, and and so it's really by following the Mary trail that I ended up in the Philippines. I I met these sisters of the cloth that opened my eyes. I had really whacked out strange encounters with certain priests, um, ran and really random encounters like priests pulling me out of the crowd in malls to talk to me. I just things that even that I haven't even written down and, and published yet that occurred on that journey. And so when Francis came along, that was really for me the confirmation and the accumulation of everything I had done up to that point. And for me that was the that was the okay, everything's fine now moment. I really I saw what he was, I saw who he was, and I took a big, big breath in and just let it out. And this, this, okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, we're there. Um, it, that was my, that was my, we made it moment. And I really, I've been just celebrating ever since. And that's what the radio show is all about. It's, it's celebrating human brilliance. It's celebrating that amazing thing that is humanity, our growth, our expansion, our, our collective aha moment are waking up. It's it's what we have managed to accomplish and we are just at the beginning of it. And that's why it's so incredible to be living here now in these times because there's so much more to come. Yeah, it's incredible. Another part of our connection is Mary. I was spent years in devotion to Mary and took people to Mary places all over Europe and the Sushi is a big Mary place. And uh, I wrote a book it, called The Heart it would make of sense. I wrote a book about, called that The Heart of Healing, there. which is all about the Philippines. And then I spent one year, I did nothing else but meditate on Mary for the entire year. This was 1986. And I kept a, a diary of spending a year with Mary. It was the book of mine that sold the very least, and it was the most important book I ever wrote. And it's called uh, My Little Flowers. And uh, when I finished, this was 1986. And when I finished that year in that book, I felt that I spent a whole year listening to Mary and there was nothing else to do. Uh, so that's another connection we have, just enjoying Mary. I mean, that energy is so important and that's the energy that's going to heal the church. It's not this male energy, it's this female energy of just Absolutely. total love, deep acceptance. Um, Absolutely, and I, I know in my heart that we're we're going to get there, and and I know that people have have brought the question to the table repeatedly over the last year, and I know that that there is 
much resistance still within the organization. However, we'll talk about it in private because there are things that I have discovered along my path that that you would probably probably enjoy having the conversation about, but they're not things that need to be talked about yet because it's something that the world is going to see happen and they're going to go, wow, and it's going to be cool. (laughs) Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, well, it's all about love, you know. About love is the Pope's example about this love. Uh, The intellectuals and all the people who are, uh, you know, denying or whatever, they're just separate from their own hearts and the heart is still much stronger than the mind. So the heart will win. It has to win because the heart is true. But I never thought we'd—I never thought we'd have a pope talking this way. And it's incredible. It's—it's it's a grand, grand celebration, really. Uh, we. It is. We just get so. Good time. Different. We um, speak of good time. It. Uh, we've done that. We've done that thing again, where uh, we run into our time. cushion period. But that's why we have it. We use it often, <laughs> and. Uh, come in for a soft landing instead of hitting a brick wall. That's why we quit doing live shows, because we, we got tired of cutting people off when their awesomeness was flowing. <laughs> uh, That's right. You know, Dear guest, your awesomeness is showing. Please continue. And <laughs> so, uh, and it certainly has been uh, tonight. I just have to thank you again for being, uh, for just for being, and, uh, and not to mention cut, cutting some time out of life to uh, hang out, because uh, it's been a real joy. And, yeah, it's been um, totally mutual joy. Let's stay in touch. Well, and when you're ready to go to CC, let me know because we know lots of people. We have a place for you to stay, and um, it's an incredible place. Ah, uh, you absolutely have a deal, sir. And okay. uh, uh, and we'll be you're in touch very much special. between then. You both are very special, and your radio show is very important. Uh, to be honest with you, a lot of radio to be is, is sort of hyper, and that people are just talking a lot. You both are talking from your hearts, and that's what we all need is to support each other's heart. And you're both very beautiful, and it's important what you're doing, and you have all my support, totally. You have all my support. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to share this time with you. Absolutely. So, Rick, what do we got coming up? What do we got coming up? I don't know. What's going on? Well, of course, five five days a week. Uh, we will be on the morning show from 10 to 11 Eastern Time now uh, on theflowcooperative.com. And uh, this show might air right around the time that I have to take a couple days off, but we'll see how that pans out. That's still weeks away. The universe changes lots in a week anymore. (laughs) Um, And, uh, uh, of course, we always have more of these conversations coming up for you guys we have lots of lots of cool people lined up coming uh, mm-hmm. yeah we keep trying to get back down to just doing two episodes a week and then cool people show up and we got to talk to them so you know absolutely because um, they're awesome because humans are awesome what can you say so we do hope that you'll catch all of our uh, conversations uh, drop by our website at everydayconnection.me we've got over 250 over 375 hours of conversations and uh, uh, you might skip the first year's worth I don't know they're a little weird but uh, no they're not weird we just everybody gets better with practice right it's like that practice of of meditation of centering of silence so um, 
Thanks again to Bruce Davis. Be sure and get by Silent Stay uh, and check them out because it's a beautiful place, beautiful people. And uh, join us for the morning show. But until then. To our mother, to each other, but especially and always to yourselves. Stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Jane and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee. You can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.